You're listening to Liberation School, an educational site for activists and fighters created by the Party for Socialism and Liberation, including in-depth analysis, courses, study guides, and more. The Program of the Party for Socialism and Liberation Part 1 the Struggle for Socialism The Party for Socialism and Liberation exists to carry out the struggle for socialism inside the United States, the center of world capitalism and imperialism. The PSL stands in solidarity with working class and oppressed people around the world who are resisting capitalist exploitation and imperialist domination. The need for the socialist reorganization of society becomes more apparent and urgent with each passing day. While a tiny part of the population grows ever richer, tens of millions of workers here in the United States and billions of workers around the world sink deeper into poverty. Monumental advances in science and technology, which could have uplifted the many, instead have mainly enriched the few. The great wealth of society is the product of both natural resources and the labor of working people. Yet that wealth is increasingly the private property of those who would produce nothing of value, the tiny class of capitalist owners. This irreconcilable conflict defines life for the vast majority of people in the world. The development of capitalism as already foreseen by Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels in the mid-19th century, binds the world ever more closely together. Today, there is a vast and growing international working class, of which the U.S. working class is but one section. The working class is defined by its relationship to the means of production, and to those who own the means of production, the capitalist class. The working class, deprived of ownership of private property, must work for wages or salaries paid by those who own the means of production. The working class also includes the army of the unemployed, those who are kept as a reserve labor force. This army of reserve labor has become a permanent feature in modern capitalist society. While the working class is not a monolithic entity, it is united by its defining features. The lack of ownership of private property and the requirement to work for those who own private property, the capitalists, or for the capitalist government. The capitalists own the banks, corporations, factories, warehouses, retail outlets, and major media. In a very real way, they control the lives of workers and the unemployed. But the working class sets into motion the means of production, distribution, and communication. It can shut down production and the capitalist economy as a whole. It is the vast majority of humanity and has vast potential power. It holds the ability to create a new society. 21st Century Imperialism As Marxists in the United States, 
Our starting point is an assessment of the world situation of the struggle between the classes on an international scale. Only by taking the international situation as the point of departure is it possible for our strategy and tactics to conform to the needs of the working class and oppressed peoples worldwide. Nowhere is this approach more critically important than in the United States, the most powerful imperialist country in the world today. 21st century capitalism in the United States and the other imperialist countries is monopoly capitalism, which is dominated by the giant banks and other institutions of finance capital. Because of their economies of scale, marketing muscle, and deep financial pockets, huge monopolies have increasingly squeezed out independent small and medium-sized businesses and farming operations. This has largely eliminated the free market. At the same time, the increasing domination of monopoly capitalism has greatly sharpened the contradictions inherent in the system. The growing tendency towards catastrophic crises, militarism, and war has resulted in the monopolies becoming increasingly intertwined with the capitalist state and government. Big banks and corporations now dominate the global economy, oppressing entire nations and continents, as well as the working class as a class. While Wall Street is the center of world finance capitalism, the Pentagon is the headquarters of a military machine that occupies many lands and has bases in more than a hundred countries. The military is the enforcer and protector of U.S. capitalism and its global empire, similar to the role played by the racist, anti-worker police and prison system inside the United States. The imperialist occupations of oppressed nations around the world mirror the realities for oppressed communities within the United States. The past century has shown that imperialism is simultaneously at its most dangerous and most vulnerable when at war. For socialists in the imperialist countries, opposition to imperialist war and support for the right of self-determination of countries targeted by one's own ruling class must be a top priority. This opposition is based on the irreconcilability of the interests of the working class and all who are oppressed by monopoly capitalism, who must sacrifice and die in these wars, with the imperialists' interests, their drive for profit and domination. The Political Reality The Dictatorship of the Rich Modern economic crises have exposed key aspects of the present system that formerly remained largely hidden from view in ordinary times. For example, the capitalist crisis that began in 2007 and its aftermath demolished the myth of free enterprise, proving instead that the U.S. system is the most corrupt form of capitalism that has ever existed. Without massive intervention, by the federal government in the form of trillions of dollars in direct grants, loans, and loan guarantees, the entire private finance-slash-banking sector and many other major corporations would have collapsed. The bank bailouts showed that while the government rules over the people, the banks rule over the government. 
Not only were the biggest banks each given tens of billions of dollars, they were not required to report on how they were going to use the money. Instead of the CEOs and other top bank executives awarding themselves huge bonuses out of the bailout funds and continuing to run the banks on behalf of wealthy shareholders, the banks should be seized and turned over to committees of workers and community representatives to be run in the public interest. The bailouts proved that the long-propagated notion that the money is not there for healthcare, education, housing, and other social programs is a lie. Had the bailout money been used to meet people's needs, all the unemployed people in the United States could have been hired at a living wage. Instead, the capitalist government continued to slash vital food, health, education, rehabilitation, and other services. The idea that any contemporary economic system can survive without major government intervention has been shown to be a total fallacy. The remaining question is not whether government intervention is necessary, but which class will benefit, the vast majority of society, the working class, or a tiny minority, the super-rich. Above all, the economic crisis has revealed that behind a facade of democracy, the United States today is a dictatorship of the capitalist class. This reality will not change without a socialist revolution. The oppressors have never surrendered their power voluntarily. Climate crisis. Unsolvable under capitalism. The climate catastrophe demonstrates the disastrous self-interest of the capitalist class. To avoid excessive warming as well as the many severe environmental threats produced by capitalism, it is necessary to shift from fossil fuels to renewable energy. But the capitalist class is driven to protect its investments in coal, oil, and gas, as well as associated industries. It will do whatever it takes to hold on to power, even if that means destroying much of the world. The struggle to adapt to and mitigate the impacts of global warming is therefore a class struggle. It is a struggle for power, not a struggle over morality or individual consumer choices. All people are not equally responsible for the climate change. Imperialist countries reaped the benefits of fossil fuels while they exploited the resources of countries they colonized. Within industrialized countries, the proceeds of workers' labor were channeled into the pockets of the capitalists, while the neighborhoods of working, poor, and oppressed people were treated as sacrifice zones, dumping grounds for the toxic waste products of the carbon economy. The class war around the climate is also an imperialist war. Countries damaged by imperialist exploitation and colonialist expropriation are the first to experience the devastation of rising sea levels and disrupted weather patterns. The imperialist response to climate change appears in the closure and militarization of borders. Ever more people are forced to migrate, Yet, immigrants are violently apprehended and imprisoned in concentration camps. The imperialist dimension of climate change is undeniable, 
when we recall that the U.S. military is the world's biggest institutional danger to the environment. Dismantling the U.S. war machine is thus crucial for human survival. Addressing the climate catastrophe and environmental racism in an equitable and just way requires specialized planning at multiple levels, international, state, regional, and local. Agriculture, transportation, shipping, construction, mining, and virtually all heavy industries must be reconstructed. Even information networks, from the coltan used in cell phones to the vast amounts of energy used by massive server farms, will have to be reconfigured. The workforce of all these industries is immense. Capitalists try to convince workers that threats to the carbon economy are threats to the working class. But of course, the capitalists' interests are antagonistic to the workers. Such transition to socialist production is to guarantee economic stability for workers who transition to sustainable jobs. The U.S. Working Class Today The technological revolution that has continued to this day has fundamentally changed the social composition of the U.S. working class, contributing to the possibilities of unity and the building of a revolutionary movement. The overall effect of the high-tech revolution has been the de-skilling of many job categories accompanied by ruthless wage cutting. This has dramatically affected the living conditions of formerly privileged sectors of the white, male working class. It has also meant a more abundant army of the unemployed and underemployed, disproportionately hitting the black and Latino communities. A third of the workforce are people of color, and half are women. This unintended effect of capitalism's drive for greater profits is creating its own gravediggers. Since its formation, the U.S. bourgeoisie consciously created a complex system of white supremacy and apartheid to prevent class-wide unity and rebellion by all oppressed and exploited sectors of society. Over and above the genocide carried out against native peoples, the enslavement of African peoples, and its racist ideological justifications have been central to both extracting super-profits from the oppressed nationalities within the United States, as well as preventing the multinational working class from acting in its own interests. The collective experience of the civil rights, women's, immigrant rights, LGBTQ, and climate justice movements is now blended into the U.S. working class experience, and is something to draw from as it gains consciousness of itself. Racism, sexism, and anti-LGBTQ bigotry continue to play a critical role in dividing workers, but there exists an even stronger material basis for workers to overcome that bigotry. More importantly, it is now objectively possible to build a unified workers' movement with a multinational leadership. In fact, the very real opportunity of political leadership by the historically most oppressed sectors puts the working class today in a stronger position to struggle for power. The Right of Revolution
The present form of government is destructive of the rights of the great majority. It is not a government of, by, and for the people. The existing government and state, the military, police, intelligence agencies, courts, prisons, bureaucracy, and so on, defend the interests of the capitalist class. Racist, anti-working class police brutality is rampant. A monstrous state machine has imprisoned more people in the United States than in any other country. In recent decades, under the pretext of the war on drugs, whole communities of black, Latino, and native young people have been locked away, turning the U.S. government into the world's biggest jailer. The existing state apparatus and government institutions were established to protect and defend the interests of the capitalist ruling class. The much-heralded system of checks and balances is really an undemocratic means of protecting the rich against the poor. At every level of government, from the presidency to city councils, elections have become exercises in dollar democracy. Corruption is business as usual. Corporate lobbyists buy legislators' votes on a daily basis. All the important decisions are made behind closed doors, with the debates nothing more than a public show. The federal court system, comprised of judges who are appointed for life, has vast powers to overturn legislation and is dedicated above all to safeguarding the rights of private property. The capitalist system has proven to be incapable of meeting the needs of the people, even in the richest capitalist country in history. Every year, millions more people are forced into abject poverty, while many working full-time, and many are denied the right to a job. Simply reforming the capitalist system is not enough. For the capitalists, reforms are a threat to the status quo. Reforms for the working class mean something different. They ease the burdens of living under capitalism through the extension of civil rights or other beneficial social or economic policies. While reforms must be fought for and can be won, they are under constant attack by the ruling class. Capitalism itself cannot be reformed. Its supreme law and driving force is the maximization of profit. The only force capable of putting an end to this criminal system is the organized working class. Capitalism cannot be voted out of power. It will take a revolution. The capitalist class will stop at nothing to prevent or overturn reforms by repressing, misdirecting, or quelling any form of popular rebellion. Without a complete uprooting of the system that causes all the problems workers and oppressed peoples face, exploitation and oppression will still exist. The capitalist state will continue to rule. Capitalism is a failed system that, in its insatiable appetite for ever greater profits, threatens global ecological destruction on an unprecedented scale, with workers and oppressed people bearing the disproportionate burden of the environmental disaster. More than at any other time, it is the working class that holds the future for humanity. For the people and planet to live, 
Capitalism must go. The Party for Socialism and Liberation is dedicated to building a revolutionary workers' party in the United States. A party that can unite the multinational U.S. working class is an essential and irreplaceable element in the struggle for socialism. The PSL participates in the labor, anti-war, anti-racist, immigrant rights, women's, lesbian, gay, bi, transgender, queer, environmental, student, and other movements. A revolutionary party can be built only by engaging in all issues affecting the working class. For the working class, revolution is a necessity and a right. The most brutal aspects of capitalism will not go away unless there is a socialist revolution. Only a revolution can do away with the rule of the capitalists once and for all. Socialism and Communism The aim of the PSL is to abolish the corrupt, rotten, and anti-people capitalist economy, state, and governmental system, and replace it with one dedicated to meeting the needs of the people, a socialist system. Solving the multiple crises of the present system is impossible without a revolution that ends the rule of the capitalist class and replaces it with a new state power that acts in the interest of the working class. Marx wrote, quote, The working class cannot simply lay hold of the ready-made state machinery and wield it for its own purposes, end quote. In other words, the government that has worked so well for the capitalists cannot serve the interests of the working class. The dictatorship of the rich must be dismantled and replaced with the working class in power. A state and government of, by, and for the workers must replace the capitalist state. The foundation of any state power is repressive force. The military, police, prisons, courts, and so on. The standing army and police must be disbanded and replaced by the armed people organized in workers' defense councils. A critical task of the new socialist order will be defending itself from the displaced capitalist class that would like to return to the days of exploitation. A workers' government would create an entirely different type of court system, with its basic institutions determined by the democratic organs of workers' power. Judges would not be required to be lawyers. All public officials, without exception, would be elected and subject to recall at any time by those who elected them. The salaries of all elected officials will be no higher than the average wage of workers. The same would be true for all those hired to carry out government and state business. Holding public office would be based on a real desire to serve not on self-enrichment. Corporate lobbying would be eliminated, along with the corporations themselves. A workers' government would begin to build socialism by expropriating the privatized wealth of the banks, industry, agribusiness, mines, and other wealth-generating properties, eliminating the vast control the capitalists have over production. This would be done without compensation to the capitalist owners, who have stolen so much for so long from the workers and oppressed peoples of the world. Under capitalism, 
Each corporation plans how much goods and services to produce and sell in order to maximize profits. There is no overall plan how to allocate society's finite resources, what should be produced, or what should be cut back or eliminated. The result is an enormous waste of resources, while the basic needs of billions go unmet. Converting the private property of society to socially owned property is a necessary first step in building socialism, which would utilize the productive capacity of society and the natural resources of the planet for the benefit of humanity. Whereas the goal of capitalist production is to make as much profit as quickly as possible, the goal of a socialist economy is to meet the needs of the people in a long-term and sustainable fashion. A socialist economy would enable workers to have access to more of what society produces. Planning is a critical component of a socialist economy. Socialism is the necessary stage between capitalism and communism. The full achievement of socialism will require the development of the economy to meet the fundamental needs of the working class and the population as a whole. It will also be marked by the fading away of classes and class antagonisms. This cannot happen overnight. Socialists use the term private property to refer to the system of capitalism, that is, the private ownership of the means of production, the factories, the land, the natural resources such as oil and water, and the machinery to produce privately owned wealth. Under socialism, a home is regarded as personal property, not as a commodity for investment. Under socialism, housing would be a guaranteed right, and no individual would be able to own another person's home. Ironically, under capitalism, the system that claims to uphold the sacred right of private property, homelessness has become a permanent feature, and millions of people are losing their homes through foreclosures. Under socialism, in Cuba, for example, despite being blockaded by the United States, there is no homelessness, because a home is considered a human right. This was only possible through the elimination of private property including landlordism. Achieving fully developed socialism, a goal that has not yet been achieved anywhere, will open the way to communism and the end of class society. Communism will also mean the withering away of the repressive state, which only came into being with the rise of class society. Socialism can only be achieved by a mass movement of millions of people organized to fight for what is rightfully theirs. In working to build the movement that will usher in the next revolution, a socialist revolution, the PSL puts forward the following struggle-based program. This program outlines what a genuine workers' government would do. Thanks for listening. You can read more at liberationnews.org. You can follow us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Spreaker, and other podcast platforms. And follow us on social media at PSL Web.